Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss Messianic apologetics, dive into Scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. think of leaves changing color, crisp, cozy weather, and maybe going back to some of the things we cherished before this pandemic. Here in New York City, where Chosen People Ministries is based, businesses are slowly reopening as the pandemic winds down, and we are beginning to find our next normal. It's not the case for everywhere, but we're grateful. During this time of transition, we find comfort in the fact that God does not change nor does his calendar. With the fall feast just around the corner, we wanted to share some stories with you which focus on the hope found in these holy days because of our Messiah. Our first story is from Randy Newman. No, not the singer. Randy grew up in a Jewish home, but he often wondered if there was more to God than what he heard in synagogue. It was not until he visited a youth group with a friend that he began to notice that there was something different about believers in Jesus. Take a listen. Really, this, this is what knowing God is about? You gotta do this, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, you gotta wear the right shoes. That's what God is concerned about? It'll drive you crazy. Can I, can I choose the background music? I think for a, a big chunk of the first, I don't know, 20 years of my life when I could start thinking, if there was a bubble coming out of the back of my head telling me what I was thinking, it would probably be something like, really? That's it? There's got to be more to life than this. I was raised in a Jewish home on uh, uh, Long Island, suburbs of New York City, and our family was very strongly culturally Jewish. We went to Hebrew school, we learned about Jewish culture, we learned about participating in Jewish worship. I love the music, I love the sound, I love the prayers, what they meant. Um, and I, I, 
I really wanted to learn all that I could about it because it was so pleasant and it, and it promised to connect me to God and yet it never did. It was always a disappointment. My family was not necessarily all that religious, um, but I started taking Judaism really quite seriously. And so I, I started studying Judaism a lot on my own. And uh, when I was 15, I remember um, the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. This was the day that I was gonna finally connect with God. I was gonna fast, I was not gonna drive in the car, I was gonna say all of the prayers, I was gonna confess all of the sins, I was gonna get it right so that finally I would connect to God. I did everything exactly the way you're supposed to do it. And it didn't work. I was walking home and I thought, it didn't work. God seems just as far away as he was 24 hours ago. And I was walking along and I looked down, I was dressed up in a suit and I wore dress shoes and I went, oh no, you're not supposed to wear leather shoes on Yom Kippur. That's what the rabbis taught. And I thought, ah, oh, that's it. That's why it didn't work. I wore the wrong shoes. I gotta wait another whole year to get this right? That's crazy. Okay, God, you, you gotta show me how this works because I, I can't remember all of these millions of rules. This friend of mine invited me to go to his church youth group. I thought, I'm Jewish, we don't do church anything, we don't do church youth group. He said, listen, it's not a religious thing, it's just a fun thing. High school kids from our church get together, we do lots of fun things. And he said, the girls are cute. So I said, okay. So we're on this bus and we're going to the beach and some guy gets up at the front, the front of the bus and says, hey everybody quiet down, we're gonna pray. And he prays that the bus doesn't break down, that we have a great time at the beach and that nobody gets badly sunburned. And then he says, in Jesus name, amen. And I thought, these people are crazy. You don't bother the Almighty with things like sunburn. They talked a lot about knowing God. They used this phrase about a personal relationship with God and they prayed as if he was right there and they, that, that they knew him. But, but I, I just I had to keep pushing it off because no, I'm Jewish, we don't do this Jesus stuff. First year of college for me was lots of fun, lots of parties, lots of beer, until this terrible, terrible night in the middle of my sophomore year. Uh, I lived in a high rise dorm uh, at college. I was up on the sixth floor and I knew the guys on the floor and one of the guys, um, crashed through the, uh, a window in a lounge and he, and he fell to his death. And it, it was just, it was so crazy, it was so upsetting. I remember sitting at his funeral thinking, okay, I, got, I, I, I can't just keep joking around, I gotta get some serious answers. And so I decided to read the Bible uh, again. N not just the Tanakh, but this time also that, that New Testament that those friends gave me. Um, I, I thought it was gonna be this totally foreign uh, Gentile book. It was very Jewish. This, this Jesus claimed to be God. He claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed that he always existed. He claimed that he could forgive sins. And, and his death was not just some martyr's death, but his death was to pay for sin, to connect people to God. I remember reading in Isaiah, that was my favorite book in the Tanakh, that it's not that God 
has separated himself from you. You've separated yourself from God. Your sins have made a separation between you and God. And when I read that when I was a sophomore in college, it all started making sense. And I remember sitting at my dorm room desk and I, it was something like a prayer. I didn't really quite know how to pray, but it was, um, thank you, God, that life is not pointless and meaningless and absurd. Thank you that there is meaning and it's in you, it's, it's found in you. When my mom was 71, she sent me this email, kind of out of nowhere, um, I, I think I'm gonna read the New Testament. Okay, and she starts sending me all these emails with questions about Jesus, and then, and then um, I sent her a book, uh, Betrayed by Stan Telchin. Five years later, we're talking on the phone, she says, you know, I think I'm gonna have the same problem that that guy in the book that you sent me had, Stan Telchin. When I, when I tell my Jewish friends that I'm a believer in Jesus, I think they're gonna reject me. And I thought, did my mother just say, I'm a believer in Jesus? She did, my, my mother said that. Through Yeshua, Randy discovered what Yom Kippur is truly about. The atonement that we have because of Yeshua's sacrifice. This sacrifice can atone for anyone's sins, even someone who we might think is beyond hope. This was where Scott Schwartz found himself when his parents kicked him out, homeless, addicted, and alone. But God met him at his lowest point and gave him beauty for ashes. This is his story. I had nothing to eat, nothing to drink. I was living in my car. I was on drugs. I was lonely, alone. I remember having to go to a soup kitchen at a church because I didn't have any food. I grew up in a nice Jewish home, celebrated all the Jewish holidays, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Hanukkah, Passover. One kid asked me, do you guys believe that Jesus is the Son of God? And I'm like, uh, I don't think so. Let me go home and ask my mom. I was bar mitzvahed when I was 13, and after my bar mitzvah, my mom made a point to warn me about staying away from Christians. She used to tell me that if anyone rolled up in a black car with black tinted windows and guys in suits got out, don't answer the door, because it could be the Nazis. I was hyperactive, and my mom sent me to doctors, and I was put on this medication, and I hated the way it made me feel. I hated it. If you come off the medication, you can't live with me anymore. So I got off the medicine and she tossed me out of the house. I went to live with my father for a while and my dad came to me and said that you gotta leave. And uh, I asked him why and he said that because his wife, my stepmom, considered me an animal. I sought a lot of help in a lot of different places. I was in four drug rehabs. I was in two halfway houses. I was in a psychiatric hospital. I've been to psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors, all to try to fix me, fix myself. And none of them worked. And after coming up empty over and over and over again, I realized I'm Jewish. I need to find God. I was on drugs and I became homeless. 
and I stumbled into a church because it was the only place that I could find food. And I just remember thinking to myself, here are Christians, and all my life I've been told that they don't love Jewish people, they don't care about Jewish people, and these were the very people that were taken care of. I remember saying to myself, God, I really want to know you. I really, really need to know you. And I always had a connection, always believed that there was God out there, but I didn't know him personally. So I bumped into a man that looked like an Orthodox Jew. I asked him, I said, are, are you religious, Orthodox Jew? He says, no, I'm Messianic. I said, Messianic, what's that? He says, well, we believe in Yeshua. I'm like, who's that? He's like, that's Jesus. Whoa, forget about it. In my search for wholeness and peace in my soul, there wasn't one stone that I left unturned. And I thought to myself, what do I have to lose? I've tried everything else. So I got my hands on my first ever New Testament and I opened it up and I was expecting it to be all about Catholicism or something not Jewish. And I was surprised at how Jewish it was. Every word that I read on the pages of the New Testament spoke right to my heart. It was almost like God could see into my heart and uh, could see how fearful I was and was speaking right to my fear, right to my anxiety. And I remember saying to myself, why didn't somebody tell me this sooner? Jesus never studied psychology in university, but his very words spoke to me better than any doctor has ever spoken to me. His words spoke right to my heart. It's easy for me to forget where I came from, but when I see people that are homeless and on drugs and bound by alcohol, I remember how God intervened in my life, that he died for us and poured out his compassion and his forgiveness to set us free from our addictions and to give us life and love and hope. Because of Yeshua, Scott's life was completely transformed. He has dedicated his life to sharing the gospel of hope with the Jewish community. Scott understands how much freedom can be found when we decide to follow Messiah, the type of freedom that Diane Greenblatt desperately wanted. From the time she was young, Diane knew that God was holy and she was not. And so she tried as hard as she could to reach his level Listen to her story. Everyone is working the way up to God. They really don't get into the fact that really God came down to us. There was an explanation of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and the Sunday school teacher had an actual scale, and she was demonstrating how we had this, this, this on the good side, this, this, this on the bad side. We had to make sure that the good side outweighed the bad side for us to be written into the book of life. 
Third grade, I'm eight years old. I was petrified. Needed to please this, this God. Okay, I have to be holy, I have to be holy. You can't do it, it doesn't make sense. I would ask so many questions. Why are we doing this? What is the purpose? What's the meaning? Historical significance? If the good outweighs the bad, then I'm written in the book of life, but the holiday comes around the next year, so I'm only written in for that one year. The response was always the same. We're doing this because this is what Jews do. I also felt this emptiness inside of me, the need to be the best, um, perfectionist, living up to expectations, a lot of anxiety. And I was really good in my roles, whether it was a role of a daughter, a role of a student, wife, mom, trying to control things, my situations, people. If I can do everything, I don't need God. I was invited to a women's seminar. There was a woman who had a real potter's wheel and she was molding a pot. She was focused on the scripture discussing, we are the clay, you are potter, we are all the work of your hands. If I'm the clay and God is molding me, he had a reason for it. I'm listening to the speaker, she's seamlessly weaving the story, the scriptures from the Tanakh to the New Testament all throughout. Everything from childhood are just like flooding into me, questions, the questions that I would hammer away as that child. And God gave me such a supernatural oomph, desire, hunger, ability to all of a sudden research. And I'm digging and digging and finding all sorts of fascinating things. Talking to some rabbis, I would ask questions and the answers would drive me to scripture because to me they felt somewhat incomplete. Many in the Jewish community don't receive the New Testament as something for Jewish people. So much has been done in the name of Jesus. It's just accepted, you know, this is what we do, this is what we don't do, this is who we are, this is who we're not. Jesus, Jews, it just doesn't connect. If you're a culture that has been so persecuted and you're holding on to something so tightly, it makes you dig in your heels and make sure that you retain that ethnicity even stronger. And I don't even know what I was looking for, quite honestly. But in all my delving, I started to see that it's not this separate book. It actually is seamlessly connected to the Tanakh. Everything flows. All the um, blood sacrifices in Leviticus, and again, coming back to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, what the holidays signify, all that was leading up to Jesus. He's the final sacrifice. Atonement is a covering. He removed my body of sin. He took that upon himself on the cross. And then he gave me his righteousness. And at that moment, it was crystal clear. Everything was hitting me and I was crying. My sin, past, present, and future is forgiven. That's freedom. The shackles came flying off. I was just given a whole brand new identity. I am holy. I am forgiven. I am righteous. I am his beloved. To give control that I've never really had away to a God who not only is he in control, he's sovereign. He is in complete control of every molecule on this planet, including me. It's not this gritting my teeth trying to please this distant holy God. It takes the pressure off of me. 
because it's not about me. I'm free to live. I'm free to walk. I'm free to do. I'm free to let other people be who they are. It is exciting. I have a purpose. My purpose in life is to live for God. I know who he is now, and every day I'm learning more and more and more who he is. Follow his leading. Enjoy him forever. Diane put it so well. When we are covered by Yeshua's sacrifice, it takes the pressure off of us to be perfect. And we have the grace to get up and try again every time we fail. Like Diane, we hope that you have found that supernatural peace which only comes from Yeshua. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Yeshua's atoning sacrifice, you can always message us at chosenpeople.com contact. We hope this episode inspired you to see the hope of the fall feasts expressed through our Messiah. Next week, we will dive deeper into Rosh Hashanah and what it means for our faith. Also, we will be joined by a special guest from our ministry, so stay tuned. Before we go, we would like to wish everyone a happy Labor Day. We pray that today you find rest and peace before heading back to work. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Our Hope. This episode was made possible thanks to Dr. Mitch Glazer, Nicole Vaca, Grace Sweet, Kyron Bautista, and I found Shalom in partnership with One for Israel. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out OurHoPodcast.com or ChosenPeople.com. See you next time.